You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 173. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Pontus Böckman. See ya. Hey, sir, hey, sir. Good to have you back, Andras. Where the hell have you Thank been? Have you. Back in the USSR? No, that's not what they call it anymore. No. Well, almost, almost, almost. almost. Yeah. I actually, I actually put together a mixtape for the for my tour, and when we entered Russia yeah. through the border with uh, with Finland, I started playing. So I, I obviously gave my introductory speech. I always give up about a half an hour long introduction to every country that we enter, which was quite a number of countries are with this tour because Ooh. we covered seven fucking countries. Ooh. So Slovakia, we went to through Slovakia, Poland. Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, then Finland, and finally Russia. Russia. So when I finished my introductory speech, I put on my mixtape, which was full of songs starting from the 60s that had something to do with Russia. So there were songs like uh, From Russia With Love, and (laughs) do you remember the German group Genghis Khan? Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> I'm surprised they, that I do remember, but when you mention it, yes. Yeah, yeah, they had this song, Moscow, and yeah. uh, Rasputin, oh, Rasputin as well. Since we were traveling to uh, St. Petersburg, obviously Rasputin was yeah. part of it, so, by Bonnie <laughs> M, so it was uh, another German uh, group. So, uh, yeah, 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 it was quite fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but it was, so the reason why I couldn't join you guys is because covering seven countries and trying to provide the clients with up-to-date and accurate information requires quite a lot of preparations so yeah 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 excuses excuses yeah yeah like always (laughs) like always yeah yeah all right (laughs) but i'm I'm glad i'm glad to be back and unfortunately now that i'm back yelena is not here yelena couldn't make it tonight yeah yeah too bad too bad she'll be back soon though but I was covering that on the last tour. I was covering the country where she was born. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she wasn't home, or she wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when he, when you were interviewing Ausra, who's also from Latvia, <laughs> yeah, I you wasn't were... I wasn't here either. Uh, no. So ah, <laughs> I should probably yeah, yeah. probably look for another job. Okay. Sitting still. <laughs> Until that happens, we just need to live and do with whatever we have. So, what what have you been up to? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I have spent a wonderful weekend with the fantastic people in VOF, the Swedish Skeptics Association. The one that you're leading? Yeah. We had a board meeting in Stockholm, so I flew up there early Saturday and stayed overnight. We meet over Skype about every month, but three to four times per year we, we try to have a physical meeting, and that's always a good thing. And just all, all booze and booze and moose, right? There was some alcohol involved, but only after <laughs> only after we've taken the important decisions. And one thing we finalized uh, now this time was that I will go to the European Skeptics Congress in Belgium end of August as an official representative of the Swedish Skeptics. So that's nice. Ooh. It was never really a risk that I wouldn't go, but now it's official. So that's that's good. So... Does that mean that they are covering your expenses? Yes, they will. Uh, which was nice. Uh, yeah, it was actually 
I didn't even ask for it. It was somebody volunteered that, uh, well, if you go as a representative, we should cover the cost. So uh, I'll still try to keep it as uh, cheap as possible, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a non-profit organization after all, but it's nice. Very nice. So you you will pay for your own drinks? Uh, The drinks uh, I have to pay for, (laughs) unless some of our generous uh, listeners will be there to pay them for me, which uh, I can endorse now. Hey, stop acting like a cheap beggar. Yeah. (laughs) This is you don't get rich being a, a skeptic, right? So you have skeptic to, never, 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 no, no, that's unfortunate. Do, do do we know anyone who has become rich? No. Yeah, yeah. No, being a skeptic, no, I no, don't think no. So. That's no, no. if if they have, then no, it's even, on something else. It's not from the skeptical activities. Even Randy had to do a lot of uh, shows, uh, f- just fooling people, outright fooling people, yeah. <laughs> to make a lot of money. But I don't think he we could consider him rich either. No, I don't so. think so. Yeah. The million dollars I think he had to pay back when he cancelled the, <laughs> the price. That was sponsored by somebody, so it wasn't his yes, money. Yes, it was. Yeah, it wasn't mm. his money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Another thing we talked about, uh, and I don't think I've mentioned that on the show, we talked about in the VOF now this weekend, is uh, that there is a big event next week in Stockholm where we will participate as a non-profit organization. It's a five-day event with all the political parties in Sweden and also special interest groups such as ourselves. And uh, anybody can go there to meet and discuss politics and listen to speeches by the leaders of the political parties, etc., And we in VOF will have a tent there only on two of the days, the 12th and 13th of June. And anyone who wants to can come by and say hi and discuss uh, what we're all about. I will be there myself and so will a number of other skeptics. So it'll be fun. We have prepared one thing that I think is quite fun to illustrate a point uh, in Sweden, but I guess in other countries as well. We have invented something called therapist bingo. It's quite a new thing. (laughs) Uh, What we want to highlight is how easy it is just to to make up an impressive title for yourself or to have somebody else appoint you with some title that sounds very legit. But since most titles are not protected legally, they don't mean anything. So when you get to our tent, you can just input, uh, you will be able to just uh, input your name into our computer and our therapist bingo machine We'll give you a title complete with a diploma that says that VOF sincerely states that we issue this diploma to you, but also that we have no idea what qualifications you may have for this. (laughs) (laughs) So this is mostly about, yeah, a therapist. So counseling therapist, relational counselor, or even psychic medium is is among the things. It will just be a random title awarded to you. All the real stuff. All the real stuff, yeah. So it's just a bit of fun, but trying to create an awareness of a real problem because people Mm -hmm. take such titles seriously. And if they see someone having such a diploma on their wall, it uh, makes it all seem very legit. And it Mm -hmm. it may not be. Some people, of course, do have a good background and have a good reason to use a title like that. But 
There's no guarantee at all. It's good to see that uh, now that you have a little bit more time on your hands and uh, you are the the leader of, of uh, not the leader, but the chair of the organization, mm -hmm. because, yeah, it's uh, you have a board of directors, yeah, yeah right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's good to see that you are not just sitting on your butt. Uh, you, you're <laughs> actually out there doing the stuff that uh, you, you want to do. Yeah, no, it's fun. And amazing. I, yeah, I'm taking amazing. the opportunity while I have the chance to try to make a little bit of a difference. Wow. Imagine how much you could achieve if you were actually paid for it. Yes, exactly. Go mm. to patreon.com ah, okay. slash the ESP and, and pledge all your money to us. And I can do this for all the rest your of money. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. all your money. <laughs> Yeah, do feel free to contact us if you want to make um, Pontus a full-time skeptic. Yeah, no contribution is too big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, yeah, we wish. Mm -hmm. Good, 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 good. So, well done. And, uh, yeah, please uh, report back from what you had um, experienced yep. there. Yeah, I will, I will. Okay. Yeah, what else? Uh, when it comes to awareness, raising awareness about things... A long, long time ago, we covered the launching of the Association to Protect the Sick from Pseudoscientific Therapies. Mm. You may remember that it's a Spanish organization. If I'm not mistaken, it was launched jointly by a couple of scientists and the father of someone, a young guy who died because of being exposed to pseudoscientific therapies instead of real medicine yeah i think that was it and yeah. they seem to be out for an international kind of um, european-wide challenge a kind of a manifesto that focuses on how different european countries deal with uh, pseudoscientific therapies and uh, they specifically mentioned that the European Directive 2001 per 83 per CE, which allows millions of citizens a year to be deceived by homeopathy, hmm. should be actually attacked and should be rediscussed. And uh, we should draw more attention to all these issues. And uh, they are calling on different organizations internationally to join this manifesto. It's a really good idea, and we should all back this initiative. So uh, anyone who's listening out there, if you are among the leaders of an organization or on the board of a scientific uh, or skeptical organization anywhere in Europe, please get in touch with them or get in touch with us, and we're going to make the connection. And uh, we're going to try one of the leading figures of this uh, initiative Fernando Cervera to come on the show and talk about this yeah. uh, in, the, in a bit more detail. Sounds like a great initiative. Yeah, it, it really does. I think, um, especially with uh, now with the uh, new changes in the European political field, I think we might have a chance to actually do something in the long run. Hmm? By the way, Very by good. the way, what do you think of uh, of the results? How did the Swedish Democrats do on the European elections? Yeah, they did. Uh... Uh, much better than last time, which was in 2014. They got 15% of the votes instead of 10%. But I was actually not that dismayed because in the general elections last year, they got 17%. So they, if you ah. count from that, they actually backed 
two percentages. But okay, yeah, I, of course I'm not very pleased, but the, with the results, there was a lot of right wing nuts, and as I mentioned last episode, there was a new Nazi party coming in from <laughs> Slovakia, and that of course is horrible. But yeah. it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. But then um, maybe you've learned to expect the worst now. So you, <laughs> yeah. And talk, talking about Slovakia, it was surprising to see that the strongest, the greatest gain was on the liberal side. Yeah. So even though this, um, well, kind of Nazi little party appeared on the on the field, it's still well. Everyone expected the far right to gain much more ground all across Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. And in Europe as a whole, it didn't happen. Mm. So I wonder why that was. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't want to make too much of a political speech out of this, but I think we all agree that uh, whatever extremism is out there, it cannot be right and it cannot be and should not be followed uh, because extremist views are by definition extreme la- lacking <laughs> yeah they are lacking the evidence-based kind of approach yeah, yeah. that we want to promote so this is why we are pleased not to see those parties gaining much more ground than they should have yeah. so everyone expected them to gain a lot and it did not happen so mm. uh, I, I don't know. Things might not be going that badly as we would have uh, thought yeah. earlier. Yeah. Okay. So I think we should actually focus on what we have to share with our listeners, shouldn't we? Yep. We are going to start, as usual, with This Week in Skepticism, but presented not by Yelena, who happens not to be here, but Pontus. So... Yeah, we'll have just a short one now, considering Elena's not here. This episode will go out on the 6th of June. And on that date, in 1975, there was a referendum in the UK (laughs) about remaining in the EEC, the European Economic Community, which has evolved into what we today call the EU. Both Labour and the Conservatives, who was led by then newly appointed party leader and future Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, were campaigning to stay within the common market. And the result was a resounding 67% for remaining. And the No campaign accepted their defeat and promised to work constructively within the EEC. Home Secretary Roy Jenkins said, and I quote, It puts the uncertainty behind us. It commits Britain to Europe. (laughs) It commits us to playing an active, constructive and enthusiastic role in it. Oh my, how times has changed. (laughs) Isn't it ironic? Yeah, isn't it ironic? Oh, fuck. Yeah, so just a flashback to um, happier times in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. Mm. Well, okay. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> I think that's enough of uh, focusing on, on um, politics. But thank you very much, Pontus. <laughs> and um, earlier, much, much earlier, before we did the raffle for a ticket to Skepcon, which is the German uh, skeptical organization GWP's annual meeting, we discussed it with uh, Annika Merkelbach that uh, she might be recording a couple of uh, interviews at Skepcon 
and uh, we could release them. So she did record a couple of interviews, and we are more than happy to share it with you, the listeners. We're not going to share um, release all of them at once. We're going to put them out in installments, in batches. So why don't we start with those? A couple of them. Yep. So I'm here with Dr. Claudia Preis at SCAPCON in Augsburg and we're past the first day and now I want to know who are you and um, yeah, what do you do in the skeptical organization of Germany? So um, you said my name already, I'm Claudia Preis, I'm um, a board member of the German Skeptics Association and I've been a member for more than 15 years now and uh, like for the last five years together with Bernd Harder I've been organizing the Skeptical which is like the opening day of our German Skeptics Conference and we usually try to have like a load of different skeptics topics that are very low threshold to um, give people that are not that familiar with all our topics an insight into what we do, our work and also like frame the kind of everyday ridiculous or strange beliefs that people have and also help them to, to get into critical thinking, debunking things and not being afraid of things they should not be afraid of. Okay, and can you tell us more of what happened today? Like, what were your highlights of the skeptical today? Well, we had a very colorful mixture again because we're trying to have um, cover a lot of topics and not to bore people because, you know, like talking for four hours about one topic, that's quite boring, even if you're very interested. So we tried to talk about a little bit of um, homeopathy because in Germany, that's still a big topic. Then we were talking about craniosacral therapy. So we had a live demo on how that would work if it worked. Uh, we had a live band, uh, Harpo Speaks, um, a German comedian came here who is a friend of ours and who's also very engaged in the skeptics community, which was of course my highlight because having live music and they're good live musicians, that's always a great thing. And I think it was a, like a very fun and colorful afternoon. Okay, thank you. And um, as my last question, what would you tell any skeptic who doesn't want like doesn't know what to do next so what would you tell everybody who wants to be active but doesn't know how so number one is so if you want to get active but you don't have a community next to you just try to come to one of our conferences or visit us on facebook we have um, a discussion group we have a blog we are on twitter not so much when we're not on the skepcon but like usually we are tweeting and just start just talk to one of us so some of us look weird And we are even weirder, maybe, but then maybe you are also weird that you would like to be one of us. Okay, thank you. That's a very good suggestion. And I'm looking forward to the next days of SCAPCON. And thank you for the interview. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you. Bye. So we're here at the second day of SCAPCON, and I'm here with Philip Schunke. And you should know that name, um, but Philip, maybe introduce yourself to the listeners of the ESP. Well, you only have to know the name because I just won the raffle and I'm actually super excited. But I have to add that, um, as you mentioned, Annika, this is the second day, meaning there was a first day. And one thing I found out at Skepcon or Skeptical, the first day is uh, the Skeptical, that it is not only informative, but also quite entertaining, meaning it was a quite long night. And I think I have still have to work out my hangover. <laughs> 
Yeah, and um, what I'm really interested in to know is how did you find the ESP? So how did you stumble over this European podcast for skeptics? Hmm. Actually, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was in the phase where the usual people I interact with are, I don't know, they're not skeptics, um, to say the least. Uh, usually every discussion I um, uh, start about homeopathy and stuff uh, ends up with the usual phrase, which, what's it, um, science doesn't know everything and there's more out there, blah, blah, blah. So at some point I just decided I needed more input or I needed um, a skeptical community. And I don't know, first try and then usually I, I do have my own podcast so um, the, the first move was to just search iTunes charts uh, is there anything skeptical out there I ended up with uh, the skeptics guide to the universe obviously the ah okay you have a t-shirt there for uh, those who just listen I need one of those those t-shirts is there an ESP uh, t-shirt um, not yet. You have to. Sorry, <laughs> there's um, not really merch, guys. Please listen right now. <laughs> so, uh, but there might be at some point of time enough people asking for for ESP T-shirts. So you heard that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of other T-shirts out there. Actually, I, they should have like a T-shirt shop at Skepticon. Skepticon. Anyhow, um, and that's how I ended up with the European Skeptics podcast. And I've been listening to them. I don't know for I don't know you guys probably two years or something. Enjoy very much. Thank you. And um, yeah, you already mentioned um, we are on the second day of, of Scapcon. So what did you like best so far? What did you enjoy? What were your highlights? Well, as I said, the, for me, the change in pace, the, the change in, in how you conduct your arguments is, how should I put it, um, refreshing. I'm, I don't consider myself to be an active skeptic. I'm, uh, I think I have, I'm sort of becoming one because once you start following the right people and retweeting the right tweets, you, uh, I don't know, become a part of the skeptical movement. Uh, so for me, it's uh, the, the, the way arguments are being conducted. Uh, and obviously yesterday, also a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's just really breathtaking how you um, listen to people and you follow their argument. You don't necessarily have to be on the same side of the conclusion, but you can... Um, Yesterday at the at the pub we went to the uh, what's the podcast name again Schlaulicht no. uh, for for kids the skeptical podcast for for kids and on the table we had like discussions about glyphosate we had discussions about um, atomic energy and and you actually can have a rational discussion about everything that's so for for me and compared to the the people I usually interact with um, uh, as I said it's um, it's refreshing yes. Yeah, so I wish you a lot of fun um, on your remaining time at Skepcon and thank you a lot for the interview. Welcome and I'll be back next year uh, without the raffle. You can act the raffle was a great idea, by the way, because it really triggered me to come. Um, so if next year gave you OP or um, ESP, um, just keep up the, the same idea because I think a lot of people are being, I don't know, can be pushed to a skeptical um, a community or helped to, uh, to, be, uh, to become a um, part of the skeptical community by, by a raffle like that. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Ooh, nice. Um, I mean, it would have been nice to be there, but we wouldn't have understood a thing. No, that's true. Because with all in German, and it was so nice of everyone who was willing to 
commit to these interviews. Uh, I understand that uh, Anika wanted them to give interviews in English for us to be able to use. And it's very nice. And thank you very much, Anika. Yeah, that, thank that you very much. These. That was great. And we were looking forward to hearing more of those interviews in coming episodes. I'm just saying that she is slowly but surely becoming our special correspondent. Yes, <laughs> that's true. We are like a news agency now. <laughs> okay, so thanks, Annika. And I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have this week, Pontus, to poke the Pope for. Yep. So after last week's terrible statement on abortion by Frank, Ugh. by Frankie, <laughs> uh, in connection Frankie with the Ball. Yes to Life conference, Francis is now on tour or is just coming back from a tour of Romania, which is predominantly an Orthodox country, not Catholic country. From the reports there, it seems that it's very much a PR tour where he's using his charm to emphasize the common Christian European roots and yada, 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 how we should all stand together for Christian values. Romania is very conservative uh, when it comes to things like abortion, same-sex marriage and such things. So, so Francis should feel right at home, regardless of uh, not being explicitly Catholic. Well, he is, but the country is not. <laughs> Incidentally, actually, speaking about that, last week there was a very good article in the French newspaper Le Monde that I happened to come across, and it had a graph or a table that compared legislations in the EU, which, and we will link to this because it's, it's very interesting. It, it shows the legislations regarding abortion, same-sex rights and fertility treatment for non-married or for lesbian couples. And uh, it, if you look at that table, it seems that Europe is not divided so much between Protestant countries and Catholic or Orthodox countries, but more in terms of Western Europe versus Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. the countries that were either part of the Soviet Union or closely, well, influenced, let's put it that way, politely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, while Francis is on his PR tour, I believe he's also making an effort to work on his future legacy. There is a very pro-Frankie biography being published this week. It's called, and it's in, in Spanish, so it's called El Papa de la Ternura. That means the Pope of Tenderness. That's how it's translated. Oh, how nice. Yeah, it's a tender yeah. little pope. <laughs> oh. So it would initially be published in Spain, but I think well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it will be translated into many more languages soon. And uh, it's written by Eva Fernandez, a journalist who's regularly traveling with Frankie. So they are sort of buddies already. He and she is a big supporter of his. Uh, Francis has already commented on the book. And he believes that the book will, quote, do a lot of good, end quote. So he's definitely approving of this uh, initiative. Well, it's too bad to me, I think, that he cannot show some of this tenderness towards people who are in dire need for good health care, like abortions, as we spoke about last week. Not so tender there when he insists that women must suffer for God's pleasure. But we will follow his future adventures in this regards. But I think he's starting to worry about his uh, legacy and he wants to be remembered as the quote-unquote good pope. The good pope, yeah. Mm -hmm. Preaching the good book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, okay. 
Thank you very much, Pontus. Mm-hmm. A couple of days ago, I had a um, bit of a discussion with uh, uh, one of my friends, and uh, I told him that, ah, yeah, I, I understand that many people really like Pope Francis, but I have my doubts, and I do have a couple of uh, beefs with him. And uh, he would ask me, what exactly? And I started telling these stories that we covered, or you covered, on uh, yeah. Pontus Pork's the Pope. Yeah. And then I just said, you know what? Listen to our show. <laughs> yeah, you will understand what I'm what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I can I can recommend it to everyone. Listen to our show, please. Yeah. Or uh, if you have any kind of arguments with anyone about the Pope and the wrongdoings of uh, the Catholic Church, just refer to our show, please. Please do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. But we are now moving on to the next segment, which is uh, when when we talk about a couple of news uh, from across Europe. For some reason, it has not been published on the website of Sense About Science yet, but the mailing list was contacted with a call for uh, emails and uh, volunteers to put out their stories and write to their MPs, and it's a it's a UK focused initiative that is called Evidence Week, and uh, it has a Europe wide counterpart as well, which is Evidence Matters, that was uh, done in two thousand seventeen by Sense About Science, which is a UK based charity. So what they do is they start with the UK Parliament. And uh, this year, between the 25th and 27th of June, they will be at the UK Parliament and in partnership with the House of Commons Library, the Commons Science and Technology Select Committee and the Parliamentary Office of Science and Technology, they will bring together people and MPs. So voters and MPs and they will discuss why evidence matters to them in their lives. Uh, they, they will bring up a couple of topics and issues that are potential policy issues that can be affected by decisions made by Parliament. And they will shed some light on why an evidence-based approach is necessary on those fields. Since uh, Sense About Science is this charity that promotes scientific thinking and science and skepticism, they do this, uh, and they have been doing this for for a couple of years now. The first one was done in 2016, so I think uh, it's a great initiative. And now what they uh, ask for is um, for UK-based people and UK voters and registered voters to say whether they can uh, write to their their local MPs and try to persuade them that evidence does matter. And they also ask for volunteers to go and attend this uh, three-day event and be there to talk to MPs and these committees and to discuss why evidence is important in all our lives. So, well done. Yeah, good initiative. Sense About Science does it again. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. And uh, they need all the support. So uh, we're going to try to get someone from uh, Sense About Science as well on the show at some point, uh, obviously before the 25th of June, to talk about this because it it really is important. And I do think and I do hope that this year they will bring it to the European Parliament as well. Uh, The the newly formed European Parliament. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, good. 
Some other news here that may, well, you can call it good news, I guess. It's an international item. Amazon, Facebook and YouTube are slowly catching up to take responsibility for some of the dangerous health nonsense that is spread through their networks. Amazon last week removed more than a dozen books that claim, without any science to back it up whatsoever, that a homemade bleach, chlorine dioxide, can cure conditions ranging from malaria to childhood autism. These books include directions for making and ingesting this terrible snake oil. Yeah, yeah. which doctors and federal regulators have warned is very, very dangerous. And it, it's very often referred to and sold as MMS, which stands for Miracle Mineral Solution. That's very ironic. It's a preparation often described by experts as industrial strength bleach. So it's especially heartbreaking and cruel that it's targeting parents of autistic children who, who turn to this as a last desperate way to find a treatment for their children's condition. It involves forcing this poison into these defenseless kids, either by getting them to swallow it or even as enemas. Oh. It's, it's extremely disturbing even to think about it. Amazon now seems to respond to calls from, from authorities and health experts to try to do something about this. And Facebook started taking down certain pages and accounts on the same subject uh, last month. And also YouTube has recently deleted lots of videos and channels which had millions of views dedicated to the same thing. They stated, uh, YouTube stated, that such material violated standards against, uh, and I quote, content intended to encourage dangerous activities that have an inherent risk of physical harm, end quote. So this is far from solving the whole problem, of course. Uh, this is peddled through all lots of channels, not just social media, and sometimes also disguised under religious pretense, this MMS, that you hear that in the name, Miracle mineral solution but at least this is a start and i hope uh, hope it makes a difference Whew. yeah yeah <laughs> by the way uh, have you seen what uh, Mackenzie bezos did N no you know the former wife of um, jeff bezos Caesar, who is who is the founder of amazon mm -hmm. no I don't, I don't know what she did no. and he's he's filthy rich and um, it was all in the news recently that they got divorced and that she became one of the wealthiest women on earth <laughs> after that divorce and now she seems to be doing something really extraordinary with that money we are talking about billions and billions of dollars uh, she's about to give it all to charity almost wow of it. wow <laughs> yeah that's very good. See that that okay, I'm I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to take half your money and give it away. And then <laughs> give it to charity. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I mean, there's it's no just... single person that needs that much money anyway. So, good for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, just came to my mind that you mentioned that uh, the mentioned Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping that she will give it to important charity works. So, like like Our Good, good charities. Oh. Those charities that actually make a difference. Yeah. So then, then that money goes to the right place. But I don't think there's too much money involved. But when it comes to making a change, education is probably the best tool. 
And、uh, this is why it was quite worrying what used to be going on in Vienna at、uh, the University of Vienna, where there was a very important and prestigious medical school. Now, our listeners might remember that、uh, there was a professor called Professor Frass who was lecturing on homeopathy、yeah. at、uh, the medical course. It was quite controversial. Edzard Ernst、uh, wrote about it on several occasions. It was especially important because Edzard Ernst used to be affiliated with that、uh, institution. Yeah. So now he writes that、uh, 2019 might be the end of so-called quackademia,、hmm. because、uh, not only after a couple of students complained about Frost's、uh, lectures, saying that it was not evidence-based at all and that he was promoting bogus concepts, it seems that、uh, now they are moving forward, and、uh, not only they got rid of that course in the medical curriculum, but now they are putting together something that、uh, that is much more important. So Edzard Ernst、uh, argues that、uh, it's important to educate medical students. Into what so-called alternative medicine, as he calls scam, is, and what it is all about. But、uh, most organizations and most most、uh, educational institutions get it wrong, and what they do is they actually invite practitioners of scam of、uh, alternative medicine to lecture as part of those curricula. But the problem with that is that they will end up not promoting science, but promoting their own stuff, and、uh, not a- applying a medical、uh, a scientific approach. But promoting their bogus claims. So, what's much better is what Ezerns came across at an event that was put together by the University of Vienna, titled it was a conference titled Esoteric Intermedicine, which is well, I think it、um, translates as esotericism in medicine. So he was invited along with Natalie Grams, and、uh, they saw something very extraordinary there as well. That students gave presentations of their courseworks related to complementary and alternative medicine, and、uh, they gave、uh, five-minute slots to these students. Then there was a discussion session, and I think that is absolutely extraordinary. This is how you can really teach. Those medical students to appreciate science and to apply a scientific approach to all those different claims as well, because obviously argues Edzard Ernst, when they become doctors, they will come across those claims and their patients will ask about them. And they have to be knowledgeable. They have to know what that is and know it from a from a scientific perspective. So、uh, yeah, well done. And he argues that based on this, Vienna might be ending the quack education at the University of Vienna's、uh, medical school. Well, let's hope he's right. Yeah,、mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's an example to follow. Yeah, very. So、good. many other medical schools should approach that or apply that same approach. I think. Yeah. So you mentioned、uh, Natalie Grams, who is from、mm-hmm. Germany, of course. She is a former homeopath, but now. She is a science advocate and skeptic. She, as we reported last week, she is now threatened by legal actions from a homeopathic producer called Hevert Pharmaceuticals. 
Natalie Grams has for many years led the Homeopathy Information Network in Germany and she claims that she's never even mentioned Hevert by name, even though she comments on homeopathy quite often. She has stated several times that homeopathy, quote, has no effect beyond placebo, end quote. And as we said last week, Hevert now claims that she needs to pay them over 5,000 euro each time she repeats that claim. And that's, of course, ridiculous. But anyway, the news this week is uh, very short, but it is that GWP, the German skeptics, has posted a statement in English on the scienceforprogress.eu website, which we will link to, with some further details about these things. And we will link to that and we will follow the how it goes in the future. I, I hope this will go away quickly, but you never know in these legal things, even if they are not grounded in any real legal issue can take a long time and can be very costly even if you have done nothing wrong so i hope uh, it goes well yeah Hmm. so do i by the way natalie grams is deeply involved with a project that is called information network homeopathy and uh, I'm glad to report that they have recently, a couple of days ago, they launched the renewed, completely renewed website with a lot of English content. Oh, very good. I, I do recommend everyone to just browse through it because it's amazing. I love the whole thing. <laughs> they put out a 20-point FAQ, so frequently asked questions. It's so comprehensive, the whole thing. You should all read it because it's all in English. So when you own the website, Netzwerk Homeopathy, it's not easy to find. But if you Google Information Network Homeopathy, you will definitely find it. And if you hit the English button, then you will bring up a plethora of all the good stuff. They briefly explain what the whole project is all about. They have several articles already translated into English. I do think that it's just a brilliant starting point for everyone to translate the material into other languages as well. Get in touch with them. I'm pretty sure they will be very generous with the rights to run similar websites because we all have the same goal to educate people. And I really like the subtitle of this this whole project as well. In English, it goes, we explain, you have the choice. Yeah. Very good. I love that. I love that. And we've been asking for English material on the website, and now it is there. A lot of it. Very good. Go on and and browse through it. Yeah, yeah. And we will, of course, put it in the show notes so that you you can link directly. Or you can click directly to get there. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, next item is that in Latvia, the Rigvir Circus continues. We've talked about this for a couple of episodes now. Uh, we had an interview with Austra two weeks ago about this. And then we had um, last did, week, yeah. we reported that Latima, the company that produces the fake cancer cure, has requested an exception to the ban from March. They, they, the exception they want is for 38 patients that were mid-treatment when the ban came. And they want them to be able to go through with their, well, bogus treatment. (laughs) As we said last week, the request was turned down since the new evidence produced regarding the new batch that they they produced this in batches. So they had a new test on the new batch that they said would prove that this is actually much better quality, blah, blah, blah. But even the new test didn't live up to the necessary standard. So the exception was denied. 
So the news this week is that the state agency of medicine in Latvia has now not just banned Rigvir, but also as of 31st of May, they have removed Rigvir from the register, which seems like the next logical step. So it's no longer a registered drug at all. So that's good news. However, at the same time, uh, 31st of May, they have uh, changed their ruling about uh, the treatment of the 38 existing patients, saying that even though the new test results didn't change anything from an evidence point of view, they are now uh, leaving it up to uh, the physician and the patient to take full responsibility if they want to use any of the new batch. So they have approved the distribution of that batch. So that's a step backward. Also, there are rumors that we hear, not confirmed yet, so I'm not going to mention any names, but there are rumors that one clinic in Germany is seeking permission to continue treatments. It's a bit unclear how. It's a bit unclear if it also involves new patients or just old patients. So uh, the drama continues, but at least... The good news this week is that Rigver is now deregistered as of 31st of May. Okay. It's to be, it's to be expected. I mean, the Latima has only one product. Yeah. They wouldn't just give in and die <laughs> and accept the ruling. Of course, they're going to yeah. fight this. Okay, sorry, we're closing shop. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah, but at least it's now deregistered. So it's no longer an official drug. And uh, that is a big blow against them. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about blows against something, uh, homeopathy is in trouble in Belgium, apparently. Good. Uh, yeah, finally, <laughs> <laughs> finally. According to Whole Health Now, which is basically a, a website promoting homeopathy in Belgium, there are lots of people using homeopathy and uh, 300 homeopathic MDs belong to the Union of Homeopaths in Belgium and 4,000 MDs, which uh, account for about 10% of all the doctors in the country, are prescribing homeopathic medications at least occasionally, mm. says the website. Well, that's not good news. However, there is um, an organization, which is a consumer protection organization called Testasha, and they issued a really crushing report on, uh, well, homeopathy. Uh, well, because they claim that um, it's unacceptable that uh, these so-called remedies are called medication. And uh, they go into detail about how they can get onto the register of medications without any proof of efficacy that is unacceptable completely. And um, there is a quote on uh, Brussels Times that says the requirements of effectiveness, safety and quality to bring a product to market and be allowed to use the name of medication are sadly not the same for all products. Well, homeopathic products are required to be accompanied by a minimum of documentation and the working of the product barely has to be proven. And that is true, unfortunately. We already mentioned on this show that European initiative that allows that to happen and we should all change that. But locally, in different countries, we should argue and we should bring it up. If we want to make a change on a European level, Obviously, we want to make it part of public discourse and we want to make our member members of European Parliament aware of how it goes and why it's unacceptable that homeopathy is called medicine. It shouldn't be. No. So, um, 
yeah, this Tessa Shah, they seem to know their shit <laughs> when it comes to consumer protection. They have a whole database of all the medicinal products available. And uh, out of 6,300, they have 147 homeopathic and herbal medicines and remedies as well on their database. They know what they're talking about. They, they argue that this should change. And I do think that most of us agree with that. Absolutely. Especially on the, <laughs> in the skeptical community. The question is, are they getting fined 5,000 euros each time they repeat their claims that it doesn't work? Yeah. It's just Natalie Grams. In a way, I do think that, uh, and I hope that Natalie Grams is not worried about the whole thing. First of all, she has this massive organization, Give You Pay, behind her. And I do think, um, and I'm pretty sure that they have her back. But there is a European level skeptical movement as well. Mm. If something like that happens, I'm saying to that, what's the name of the company her? Hevert. Hevert. I'm telling them, you know, guys, Bring it on, because <laughs> we're going to make it known all over Europe that you are just full of shit and you're just afraid of losing a lot of money because people finding out that whatever you're selling is just nonsense. Doesn't work. So bring it on. I don't want this to happen to, to Natalie, but I'm pretty sure she's safe because she has KVOP and she has all of us out there in Europe. Yep. All right. So... I think we have covered all that we wanted to. So why don't we talk about something or someone who's been really wrong lately? So Pontus, would you? I will. If you run a university, you need to make sure that what's happening there follows scientific principles. Yeah, more or less. What do you say, Andros? Do you agree? <laughs> kind of. Kind of, yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> and this is something that Kiel University, I don't know if you call if you pronounce it Keely or Kiel. I'm going to say Kiel. It's spelled K E E L E. It's a bit strange to be a, a British Where is name. It? it is in the UK. Okay. So well, let's call it Kiel University. They should take note of this, I think, because they have among their employees a professor, Chris Exley. He is a group leader of the Birchall Center, which researches the role of metals in biology and material science, which is sounds legit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He has repeatedly tried to link aluminium to cancer and autism. He's tried to show a link between aluminium in deodorant and breast cancer. And for several years, he has also pursued the notion that aluminium in vaccines causes autism. And he's received funding from several hardcore anti-vax organizations. And it was revealed earlier this year that he even got funding from a fundraiser run by Kiel University for his research. And none of this research has panned out or convinced serious scientists. When Kiel University was made aware of this fundraiser, they closed it down, which was good, in April. That led to a GoFundMe initiative instead. But that was also closed down by GoFundMe before he received any money because GoFundMe has standards, which is nice to hear. 
So it's important to note, of course, that research into these kinds of things are not necessarily a bad thing. If there is a hypothesis that aluminium may be bad for us, of course, we should investigate it. But when we continue or somebody continues to bark up the wrong tree for a very long time, performing badly designed studies, not drawing the objective conclusions from the research, and instead keep on insisting that something is dangerous when there's no evidence for it, or even there isn't even a plausible mechanism for it, then you're just a bad scientist. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a bad or a good scientist, but we will provide links that describes in much more detail why his research and how his research is flawed. And scientists like that should not receive funding or the credibility by being employed by a big university if they want to be perceived as serious, this university. So, for keeping Chris Exley employed and for several years allowing him to use their fundraising portal, Keele University gets today's prize for being really wrong. I think someone someone should write them scientific research for dummies kind of book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I said I wouldn't go into the scientific part of it, but part of that, as I understand it, is that the very, very small amounts of aluminium you get as part of a vaccination shot is so insignificant that you actually breathe in more aluminium every day spontaneously because you have a small trace of it in just air. So there's no plausibility in that this will harm anything and also i've read very clearly that it doesn't matter that it's been injected into you rather than just you breathe it in or you get it through food which you also do because it goes straight to the blood anyway so it's nonsense there's no plausible mechanism and there's no credible evidence that it does any harm so it's like when tamarasol was um Yes, was was the issue that it contains mercury. Yeah, of course it contains mercury, but it's a chemical that contains mercury. It's not mercury in an elementary form no, it's, that it contains. No, it's in a stable, like, inert form that just exactly. goes through the so body. It's, yeah. it's the same thing with the aluminum. Yeah, Alum, aluminium, aluminium, whatever it, we, <laughs> we call it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And I think uh, we're about to conclude this show, but before we do that, we need a quote. Since Yalana's not here, I'm going to bring up a quote, and uh, that means that uh, I will uh, get to share something with my preference. You probably not, don't know this, uh, but when I started studying biology at university, it was mostly because of evolution that I wanted to know more about evolution. I was fascinated by evolution mm -hmm. and the theory of uh, natural selection. So I'm very happy to share a quote from Thomas Henry Huxley. Huxley! Who was a British biologist and he was a prominent defender of uh, Charles Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection. So here's the quote. Science warns me to be careful how I adopt a view which jumps with my preconceptions and to require stronger evidence for such belief than for one to which I was previously hostile. My business is to teach my aspirations to conform themselves to fact, not to try and make facts 
harmonize with my aspirations. Very good, very good. Yes, go indeed. where the <laughs> go where the evidence takes you, not where you want them to take you. Yeah, mm. and do not distort the evidence to 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 fit your preconceptions. That's not how you do science. I think uh, Thomas Henry Huxley knew it quite well. All right. We are concluding the show. That is the end of our episode 173. So thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And uh, thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, when hopefully we will have Yelena back. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Woo! Just checking the I'm levels. Just, I'm just <laughs> testing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, ask me what, what, what I have, have been, been up, up to. to. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Hevert Pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals? <laughs> Maybe I'll try that again. If there is a hypothesis... If there is a... Is a <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs>